Okay, for example, like if I'm on a date and a guy is like chewing really loud, that's me getting the ick right there. Like, or slurping. <laughs> slurping is like, a, that's disgusting. Slurping. Like, yo, you don't want like, slurping. no, like when, when people like, when you drink coffee and you go and you make that weird like, yo, <laughs> nasty. I find really? it, I find that visceral sound so gross. Like I hate it. So if you go on a date with a dude and he goes, you're like, okay, let's wrap this up. Yeah, like I'm like, Oh, I yo. got a project due, I gotta like, go. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think I want to sit through five more dates and hear that? But what if he did it once? Just once? Depends. How much icks do you get before you're striked out? Okay. How's it going? Good, good. Yeah. I'm excited. And how's your day been? Honestly, it's been really chill. Like, all I had for today planned was just this. Usually, like, I'm doing a lot of stuff, but today I was like, I'm just gonna focus on this one thing and then just chill out. Yeah. Um, so this is what I forgot to do with the kill. Yeah. And this is one of my biggest pet peeves when you're watching a podcast. Um, yeah. They just start, and you don't know who the fuck is talking. <laughs> so if you could just introduce yourself and let everyone know who you are. I don't know why that's like such an intimidating question, but okay. So uh, also, which camera am I looking You're at? You're in this camera right now. Okay. Um, I am Hershita, and I'm an artist and a model. Um, and yeah, <laughs> like I don't know what else to say. What type of artist are you? Um, I'm, well, I'm an illustrator, but I try to do, like, um, or prefer to do digital art and, um, like, traditional paintings. So, that's kind of my medium of choice. In terms of, like, what kind of art, I love portraiture, I love um, really conceptual stuff, and, like, the use of metaphor to depict a lot of the images that I make. Yeah. How did you yeah. start in art? Um, I was always drawing. I feel like, as a... As a kid, like I always remember, like I was making something, and my mom um, and my dad, they they both draw. So like, um, when I was growing up, there wasn't much to do, so my mom would always be like, "Here, draw something, and like keep yourself occupied." And then like it just it was something that I just kept doing, and then got good at eventually. And my parents were like, "When you grow up, you're gonna be an artist." So I was like, "That I'm gonna grow up <laughs> and um, be, an be an artist." So it was never really like. When did it start? It's kind of just been something constant. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to sound wild or anything. <laughs> I don't want to sound. You said your parents are like, you're going to be an artist. Like, yeah. I don't want to sound like a stereotypical brown parents to be like, hey, you got to be a doctor or anything. Was there none of that pushed onto you or anything like that? No, I don't think so. I think they like always were like, she's really good at this. Yeah. And they knew. They knew. And I think with my mom too, like when she was growing up, she really loved doing the same things that I do, and I, I think I got them from her, obviously. But she wasn't allowed to do them. Like, you know, her parents were really strict about it. They're like, you gotta study. You're wasting time drawing. You could be studying. Stop making this. Go study. And I think she grew up with a lot of resentment and, like, you know, sadness around that. And I think, obviously, like, when she had a daughter who was pursuing those same things, she was like, no, you do them. Like, do them with full, like, you know, um, energy and, and all your love and care with it so go go ahead um so yeah my parents are a little bit like non-stereotypical in that sense they've given me like a lot of freedom um which is like really unique you put the quotation around the freedom i don't know i feel like <laughs> freedom in the sense like to me it doesn't feel like freedom it just feels like that's just how life has it been be. yeah that's just the norm for me right but then when i speak to other people who haven't had that same experience, their perception of that is like, you have freedom. 
to do what you want with I your life. Yeah, and it, I don't know, I feel really privileged in saying that like, oh yeah, that that's how my life has been. Because sometimes I've met people who like really want to pursue creative things and they can't because they don't have that choice. Um, but yeah, I think um, I'm, I'm very just thankful that I got the parents that I got. Yeah. yeah. That's good to hear. Like not a lot of people do get that freedom or that mm -hmm. liberty to pursue like a creative path or yeah. even something that they want to do that's not the norm. Yeah. That's good to hear that. Mm -hmm. Some of you have that opportunity. So where do you want to go with like exactly with your art? My art? Um, I think I'm still exploring that like in terms of you know, I think everyone wants you to kind of have like a, a steady answer of like what it is that you see yourself doing. Um, I, I'm still exploring, like I started school and um, I'm, I've gotten really lucky and had a chance to kind of explore different styles of art and different mediums and outlets. And there are things that I like obviously, but I'm not really sure. Not really sure. Yeah, I think I would want to do like gallery shows though. I think. Yeah, like, sorry if I stumble, by the way. No, it's like, okay. Can, you can cut and edit that, right? No, no, it's all straight. No, please. Yeah, it's all straight. That's what a conversation is. The conversation is flowing. You stumble. <laughs> you have some oops. Okay. That's the conversation. Okay, but, like, what I mean is I would love to have gallery shows, like, you know, because digital art is really fun. It's quick, and it gives you a lot of, um, you know, um, areas to explore things, but... I really love like a good art show, like to have your canvas up and on a wall and like, you know, really work on a piece for a really long time. Um, and I hope that I get to a financial standpoint where that's not gonna like, you know, be my only bread and butter, but mm -hmm. I would love to do that, yeah, yeah. So what's your, would say your favorite medium of art? You said it's digital or? Right now, I really love drawing and like painting digitally, but I also just really like painting traditionally with acrylics and oils on canvas. Um, it's something that I've gotten to do less and less, but it's like what I grew up on. So yeah. It's the yeah. roots. Yeah, yeah. Um, you do modeling, you said you do modeling. <laughs> yeah, mm. more and more recently. How's that been? Wait, why did you want to start being modeling? I want to start there. Why did you want to start getting into modeling? Um, okay, so also very similar to my art journey, like. Ever since I was a kid, I just always remember like my mom making me clothes and like, you know, me feeling like very like fly and fresh in them and like just like <laughs> kind of like, you know, just like always, always really having cool clothes and um, also very lucky for that. And I remember, you know, sometimes I would steal my mom's saris, you know, like those, um, those Indian traditional dresses yeah, that like sari. go around. I would take those and just, sari after? I said so sari. Wait, what? That was supposed to be a joke. <laughs> oh my god! Right over your head. It did. I was like, um, yeah, like I would, I would take those and I would wrap them around myself and like walk and look in the mirror and like do my own thing and like, I think growing up, people like I, I, I like got my dad's height, you know, and I was really tall and at work and people would always be like, are you, are you modeling? You should model or like, do you model? And I remember like hearing that a lot, but I was very insecure and like. Um, super, I don't know, closed off in that sense. And I was like, you know, I kind of, I don't associate myself with it. But as I grew older, I realized like I love photography and I love, you know, combining some of my um, skills together. Sorry, I'm like getting nervous. No, it's okay, don't get nervous. Do you want me to crack a joke? <laughs> I got a joke that we can laugh at. Sure. 
put me on the spot. No, <laughs> <Go I'm nervous. laughs> okay, go uh, ahead. What's red? And if it falls out of a tree, it'll kill you. An apple? No, it wouldn't kill me. No. Wouldn't kill no. Me. Uh, this is a really bad joke. <laughs> I don't know. A fire truck. Yo, why would it be in a tree, though? But that's like, not the question. The question is if it fell out of a tree. I was going to say a dead person. Like, <laughs> that's even, like, worse. That's even worse. That's pretty dark. That's uh, pretty morbid. Yeah, pretty yeah. morbid. Okay, going back to the thing, though, like, I started modeling or, like, started doing it more professionally because I finally, like, realized that it's something that I like doing and not just as a hobby, but something that I want to pursue professionally and it would be a great way for me to combine my passions of photography, clothing, and, like, um, I don't know, working with other people, like uh, modeling funny enough led me to you and working with you on this podcast and I got to meet you and everyone on the crew today and I think that's like, that's a, a big driving force behind it, yeah. Yeah, I could yeah. kind of relate to that as well, like you're kind of gathering everything that you've done, that you've dabbled mm -hmm. in, I bring it in all to one thing. Like yeah. me personally, like I started with photography as a hobby and then I also went to school for some video stuff and then like, what I'm doing right now like, is a kind of a, an accumulation of all of that. Yeah. Like, one thing that I really enjoyed when I was doing my photography person, personally um, was more or less the conversations that you would have with an individual while you're going through that process. Yeah. So it's like, I like that connection that you would build. And it's like, throughout the photo shoot, you'd build up with a rapport with a person. Because like, my photo shoots, they would go pretty long. And like, they're mostly mm -hmm. outside. And like, mm -hmm. just talking to the person, getting to know a little bit about their lives. Like, mm -hmm. what are they into and stuff like that. So it's like, I've always found it like, kind of refreshing talking to a broad spectrum of different types of people because this world is filled with so many interesting different types of people and like you never really get the opportunity to sit down and actually have a genuine conversation with someone yeah. and I think there's something valuable about that because I feel like with a lot of the climate right now you don't really get to see a lot of people's perspectives and like everyone's stuck in these little echo chambers of only hearing opinions and thoughts that are kind of reassuring mm. them it's like it's all only they're only hearing echo chamber, sorry. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I think like one of the huge driving forces why I started this was to literally get out and talk to a bunch of different people, hear a bunch of different perspectives and like just learn a little. Because yeah. you really don't know anything you don't know until you know it. If that <laughs> makes any sense. <laughs> the more you know. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Let's have a rainbow the come up. Reading rainbow. <laughs> yes. Can we edit that in post production? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> I think we can. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. No, I completely like agree with you on that. That it's like such a great outlet to meet people socially and like you know collectively learn and and combine your talents together. Like that's happening right now. Um, but I think that also in the climate of where you can't meet people, it's nice. Yeah. Like I've had a couple of photo shoots this week where I've finally gotten out and it feels normal to be meeting people yeah. and I don't have to be like socially awkward or or worry about something, but it's nice. Yeah, very yeah. nice. I remember yeah. my first interaction, like after like, I remember those like the lockdowns went down. Like I remember I caught myself, I'm like, yo, I've actually haven't talked to anyone. And like being social is actually a skill. And if yeah. you don't use it, you're gonna be bad at communicating. I'm like, damn. I sounded like an idiot right there. That's most of the time, but like I caught myself. I'm like, oh, that was pretty stupid, dude. So I'm like, mm. but yeah, I'm glad for the opportunity to be social and talking to people. Yeah, because it's a super valuable skill. And like going back and looking at like this pandemic and all the lockdowns, you don't realize how valuable like human social interaction is until like it's kind of taken from you, mm -hmm. and then you don't realize you get to 
talk to new people and make those connections. And also, like, feeling like an alien because you're in a dollar store and you cough. And Yo. everyone look at you like... Yo, do you remember like when the pandemic first started and you would go into the store and you'd just be like, everyone stay away from me. Or like, you know, you'd like stay like six feet away from people. And now like, when, do you ever get really claustrophobic when you go to a store and there's too many people in there? Like, does it feel... It does feel, uh, it's weird because I do feel that claustrophobic. It's like, mm, like my feeling is like I'm generally like okay with it being crowded, like or being in a crowded space even with the pandemic. But I remember there were a couple of times where like I was in a store and it was mad packed, and my feeling is like, I don't think there should be that much people in yeah. here. Like that's yeah, mm, I'm yeah. pretty open about this, but damn, it's packed in here. No, for real, because they're like, um, I think they close gyms and they close like other community aspect, um, like or like institutions and then they were like oh by the way like malls everyone can go to it and it was kind of weird it's kind of sus not gonna lie like you can't i can't go to work out but i'm going to costco and half of brampton's here right now yeah. and it was kind of weird um but yeah like I'm, I'm glad that like things are like sort of easing up and mm. and we can get back to doing creative things like this because with the pandemic it's really hard to do anything like this you know um and funny enough like it was in the pandemic that i realized like yo i I had like a revelation and I was like, I don't know if I wanna just be an artist for the rest of my life. I don't know if just making art physically with my hands is always going to be fulfilling to me or fulfill the other aspects of my life that I really enjoy. And so I felt like, you know, it, it has to be there, but I have to also commit to it and own up to it and, and say to myself like, yeah, I'm gonna do this thing. And, and also not let the fear of failure kind of get in the way because I think that was something that was really stopping me. It was like, what if, what if no one wants to shoot you? Yeah. What if no one wants to work with you? What if you don't like, you know, all those doubts that you have in your head essentially, right? And then I was like, who cares, right? Who That's cares? Better, yeah. Who cares what anyone thinks? And if I like it, and if I'm having a good time, then that means I have to do it. And that's all that really matters. Yeah. Like one thing I learned as well is like, the thing about falling on your face and failing, like the worst thing you do is not get up and continue. Yeah. Like it, it's a time and time and ten, like failing literally, that's part of being successful and mm -hmm. growing. Because if you don't fall something, like if you don't fall, you'll never know how to run. Like you got to take those risks and those opportunities where you like look like an idiot or like you don't sound as professional to get there. It's always a, like a process of getting. So no. failing is important. Kind of like what is the saying? Uh, you gotta hit the ground running before you learn. Or it is you gotta hit the ground running before you can. I never walk. heard of this question. No, there's you gotta learn how to walk before you start running, or you hit the ground running. And it's I'm pretty sure I'm saying it right. I'm pretty <laughs> sure. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so yeah. Can you look that up? Yeah, you. Hit, it's like when someone has like a really like you know amazing start. They're like, yo, you hit the ground running, like. It, that's I've heard that before. <laughs> I don't think I've heard. I've that. heard it. You hit the ground running. Wait, is he actually? No, that's another one. But there's another one where it's like you hit the ground running. You know what? We hit the ground running with Hershita in yeah. this podcast. Yeah, we did. Yeah, she's, yeah. She's, yeah, we we nailed fastest. it she's right fast away. She's fast as fuck. Fast as fuck, boy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, keep that. I'm fast as fuck, boy. Um. So wait, is that also kind of why you got into modeling? Because uh, um, I feel like you that do I'm fast as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, you're tall. You got long legs. Yo. Uh, um, no, but you said um. Yeah. The social aspect of you realizing art, like you got to be more social and like. Yeah. Um. Honestly, it's been like. It, it's kind of complicated, but I think now it's sort of my driving force. Mm -hmm. I think it wasn't that before. Before I was shooting everything myself. I had a DSLR that my dad got me. And me and my best friend, we used to just like, anywhere we went, and we both loved traveling, and we both got our cars, and we we're like, you know, we're gonna go everywhere. Mm -hmm. And and we both had cameras, and we're like, we're gonna take pictures. And we just had a lot of fun doing it. We didn't think that like, oh, we look good, or this content, this is content necessarily, or I can promote it. And I think it just became a thing that we did a lot. And then I was like, yo, I've been doing this for a long time. But then like throughout the pandemic, I couldn't rely on her as much anymore to go and do these things that I wanted to. And I realized like, if I'm gonna keep doing this now as like, you know, I progress in life, I'm gonna have to work with other people. So it was also like, it was never a steady decision that I made. It was something that like I had, it was a crossroad that I came to. And I was like, okay, well, this is what it's gonna look like in the future. I'm gonna have to now step out of my comfort zone and work with people that I don't know. And also, um, you know, be okay with them getting a bad angled photo of me or like getting a bad shot of me, you know? Um, so yeah, like to answer your question, um, it was, it, it kind of just happened over time. Yeah, yeah. That's actually one thing I never thought about that like you gotta be cool with someone getting like a bad photo of you. Cause like as a guy, like I don't really care if I look bad in the photo, like it does happen. Like, yeah. But like, and then most times like when I have, Taking like I'm not saying all girls are like this, but some of them be like, hey, like I don't like that angle. Let's switch it up. But like, yeah, I never really thought about like you'd have to worry about getting a bad angle. Bad angle or like you know, there's those shots when you're like in the middle of you talking or like in a I don't know, maybe you're sitting in an unflattering way or whatever. Like you're a 3D person, so you're gonna have bad sides and good sides, and obviously like you can't let that dictate what you do and what you don't do, right? For every bad every 10 bad shots there's always one that's like one a banger good, yeah. like you know so you gotta look for that one that's gonna be amazing yeah so how has been your modeling journey because i know you recently did just start yeah and like you've been progressing so like how is that going honestly it's been really fulfilling and it's been I almost humbling just because i've i i'm at a stage where i didn't think i would be um in the sense that like I'm not signed to an agency as of right now or like working with any like big brands or anything but just the fact that in a year I've been able to work with a lot of local photographers and a lot of um, designers and local brands and people have reached out to me to work with me to me that says like okay this is something that's gonna maybe progress and snowball into something bigger eventually yeah so I'm I'm pretty happy with with my journey so far yeah that's good to hear yeah so where do you project it like if you could be at the peak of your career what would it be what would you be <laughs> like would you be on a billboard what would, would, would you want to be doing it's so funny because i always talk to my friend i'm like um my best friend ali i always tell her ali like one day you're gonna see me at the met like one day and i don't even say like one day and i'm like yo when i go to the met that's a good way to put it yeah and i and i don't know i'm kind of spiritual in that sense where like what you say 
can come back to you, and so you got to speak to your, you got to speak that out into the universe, speak it right? Into existence, yeah. And just as a joke, I'm like, yo, when when I go to the Met, I'm gonna do it like this, or when I go to the Met, you're gonna come with me, and I'm gonna have you like, you know, get get her an extra plane ticket or whatever. I'm so I'm not coming unless I got two tickets. Okay? <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, it's two for one special right here, and I'm not. I'm a, you got to take both of us. <laughs> hey, maybe I need more people on my crew, so that can be that can be sorted. But at the peak of my career, I honestly like there are pinnacles and like little things that I think about that that would be really nice to have. But I don't know what that would look like. Who knows? Maybe it can change in the next year or so. But um, I just hope to keep making art and content and working with amazing people. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about some of your art projects that you worked on. Yeah. Um, you did mention that you like to use metaphor and mm -hmm. I'm forgetting the other word. Uh, like concepts. Concepts. Like, like, yeah. Um, one of the works you, I remember we spoke about it before, was... Um, the interpretations of, of a disease. Yeah. So do you want to go into that? We can like flash images of it. Like, and click. Then, click. Somewhere right here. Yeah, right here. By Is that me. big enough? I think it's big enough right here. Maybe here. Okay. Yes, or like wherever it is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so, Interpretations of a Disease was my thesis for my um, first semester of my final year at school. And it was something that I'd been, um, you know, really wanting to do. The, um, the, the three piece artwork, which you guys just saw, or we'll see here. Um, it's it's about um, women and their sort of struggles with eating disorders. And how I stumbled upon the idea of this was through um, some research that I did. And basically, I found out that you know young girls who kind of struggle with eating disorders from the ages of like, I don't know. And there's some girls that have they are very young, like from the ages of six or seven till like, I don't know. That's pretty young. I never even thought about like a six year old having an eating disorder. Yeah, like they're, they're very complex. Like they can, and they're not always stemmed with like your body image. They can come from like a need of control or sometimes trauma that can trigger it and become, you know, a bigger thing. But when I was researching like how doctors treat them or how psychologists approach treating these girls, I found out that you know, psychologists and um, psychiatrists like to use metaphors when they're speaking to these girls because young girls don't know how to express their emotions very deeply or tell the doctor what exactly is happening to them. So sometimes they express, like, you know, the pain that they're going through through metaphorical, um, you know, uh, concepts. And I found a catalog of just a lot of these metaphors, a lot of clips of them. And I decided to create them into um, artworks of my own. So there are three pieces in my, um, you know, uh, what would you call it, like collection of art. There is one that is the. Sorry, you're just turning on the light. <laughs> it's okay. Um, there's one that's the Crystal Cave. Um, I wish we could like, I could. Sh have you seen it? Yeah, I still think I did see a okay. couple of them. We can open your Instagram. The first one, yeah, I'll talk about it. The Crystal Cave is a metaphor for um, uh, uh, the concept of, well, okay, I'm gonna run back. Yeah, so run. basically, that one, the Crystal Cave is inspired by this quote that says, um, you know, anorex right? yeah, anorexia to me feels like walking down a hall of distorted mirrors where everything you see feels like 
a real perception, but it's not who you really are. And to me, that was kind of referring to body dysmorphia and how sometimes when you have an eating disorder, what you see is not exactly how you are perceived by other people. So you have a skewed image of yourself and you start to believe in it. So I, I depicted that in, in that image. The other one was the, the monster. And this one was regarding um, you know, this metaphor or um, quote that said, anorexia can feel like a monster always brewing in the back or like something that's always gonna come and attack you and you never know when it's gonna strike. And the third one was the tree. And that quote said that, um, you know, anorexia can feel like a seed that's kind of, you know, grown and grown and become into a giant tree that's kind of taking over you and sucking the life out of you. Um, by the way, I'm butchering these quotes. <laughs> I'm slightly nervous, also like thinking you a lot at the same joke? time. I can throw another joke. No, I don't think it's the jokes. <laughs> I don't think it's the jokes. <laughs> um, so yeah, like essentially they were in, like inspired by these wonderful quotes by women who felt passionately about their disease and solving it and what their pain and struggles were through. And I just thought it was a wonderful opportunity for me to just depict it in my own interpretation. Therefore, interpretations of a disease. I hope that made sense. No, I, know I got it, I got it. As like an art kid, you can sound pretentious and like be like, oh <laughs> my God, it's like, sound pretentious. yeah. And it makes a lot more, like it, when you see the image, it makes like what you're saying correlates and it makes sense. Yeah. It's hard because it's not like right here. <laughs> it's not right here. But it does yeah. make sense. Yeah. Um, so what was one of the most interesting that things that you did come across when you were researching for? This? Yeah. Oh my God. What happened? Oh. And we're back. Which, which camera are we on? Main one. And we're back. Sorry about the interruption. Um, Hello. We were talking about eating disorders. Uh, anything interesting that you found across? when I was researching? I think this was the most interesting thing that I found. Like, I also found there were like a lot of cliches when it came to like depicting eating disorders. People would take that like typical route of like. Um, a frail woman and like being very skinny or like hiding from food or like, you know, being really depressed staring in the mirror and like there were typical cliches. And I think that was one of the most interesting things and I'm like, there's a lot of similarities in the artwork. Where is the niche that doesn't exist, you know? Yeah. Like what is something that I would, like, you know, as someone who's gone through this would want to see and not be triggered? Because I didn't want to create triggering images, I wanted to create images that a woman or a person going through this could look at and be like, you know what, I can, I understand. This brings me comfort because that's exactly how I felt. And I think it was more of a feeling that I was, I was going for um, and not trying to trigger someone. So yeah, there, were, there was a fine line between like, you know, something being very cliche and something being very nuanced. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's more or less not like on the nose, like, oh no, there's food there, I'm scared. It's more or less. Yeah, it's your interpretation, right? You can you can look at it metaphorically, and I think that's the beauty of metaphor is that it says a lot without saying so much. That's such a pretentious thing to say. No, it's, it's really not. It's not pretentious. If it's facts, it's facts. No, I 100% think that it's not pretentious. Such a deep art kid. I'm kidding. <laughs> you didn't come here like, mm, art yes, no. amazing. No, but you know what? The funny thing is, like, also when I was making this stuff, I kind of just wanted to make pretty images. Like, my prof and I, like, we really kind of butt heads on that because she was like, it has to mean more. Like, it has to mean 
more, you have to have layers. You can't just be like a pretty image. And I'm like, well, I just want it to be a really pretty image. Yeah, why can't it be a pretty image? And that's another thing that like, I've always thought was weird. How do you have like, like if you're submitting an art project, how do you get graded on that? If art is all interpretation, and like, like it's it's um, uh, perceptive. Yeah, like yeah. how do you get graded? Like how does someone tell you, nah, that that ain't it, coach. That ain't it. Like, okay, honestly, so like when I first came into school, I was like, yeah, how how am I getting graded? Because my prof thinks one thing is good, and I think it's great, right? So the process usually, or like a good way to look at art and determine whether it's good art or bad art is if it does what it set out to do. So for example, if I wanted to create images that spoke on this subject and evoked a specific emotion in a person, and I've done that, then I've made good art, you know? And we can get technical, like without looking at the technicalities of like, oh, that person's head is drawn wonky, or that arm is not accurately drawn, you can look, well, does it, you, like how is the color used? Is it an image that's really striking, you know? So yeah, like, for example, some of the stuff that you see in art galleries, you're like, why is that in here? Like, it's very basic, but maybe it evokes a sense of calmness or, you know, um, a sense of just like nostalgia for someone. And that's why it's so like important and, and good. So, yeah. I, I remember a story, like, I thought it was pretty funny mm -hmm. because the lengths they went to make this thing seem legit. Like, I want, I'm gonna tell you the story. So, okay, essentially, this guy. <laughs> He made an art piece mm -hmm. that was nothing. It was literally nothing. Wait, are you talking about Banksy? No, not Banksy. Not okay, Banksy. okay. Um, he literally made, I, I don't remember the full details of the story, but the art piece was nothing. And what they, the, remember seeing the clip I saw is, they literally had four guys lift nothing out of a truck. Oh my God. Walk down the truck and then all place it down in the art gallery. And they had like a squared off tape where you couldn't cross it. Stop. I'm being 100% honest with you. And like, when I think about something like, I think he sold it for like a shitload of money too. So when I think of something like that, yo, is this guy running a scheme or like a grift or something? Like, is he pulling a fast one over the museum to say like, hey, yo, that's an art piece right there. Um, and like, in a way, it weirdly is if he gets like, if he got the money. Yeah. And he like made the bag. Yeah. There's nothing there. there. Like, who bought the nothing, though? The like that, I think the museum or the art gallery bought the nothing. But you know, it's just so wild. You know what's crazy, though? Like, it wasn't nothing. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> See, nothing. That's where art it's gets no, weird. It's not nothing, though. It's a concept. They, yeah, it was a genius concept. Like, it's physically nothing, but the concept <laughs> But it's technically nothing. No, I'm... And this is where I'm, when I'm thinking about this, I'm like, you know what? That looks so stupid, but that guy made a bag doing something that was nothing. That reminds me, um, there was, I think, there's this festival that happens in Miami. I'm blanking on the name. Um, I think it's Art Basel or Art Basel. It's one of, I don't know how to pronounce it properly, whatever. But um, it happens every year in Miami. And this dude, some artist stuck a banana with duct tape oh, to I a canvas. I know about that one. And that one <laughs> sold for, so, like it made headlines and news everywhere. And I was like, okay. There was another one, like back in the day, this like artist, um, I think it might've been Jeff Koons or I, might, I could be completely wrong guys, but who started the, the wave of like pre-produced artifacts um, and um, 
art, art pieces specifically, like that weren't made from scratch. And he basically took, um, what was it, a urinal? Oh, I know about this. I remember learning about this in art yeah. class. Yeah, took a urinal and then like submitted. Didn't he submitted like flip it upside down and then he submitted it? Yeah, like he did, he flipped it and reversed it. Like, yeah. I don't know what he did. <laughs> um, yeah, and then he like submitted it and then the museum took it as like art. And then it, that became like a whole genre of art where like, for example, like people really hate Jeff Koons because that he takes stuff that's already made and then like throws paint on it or something and then goes like, yeah, that's my art. Um, I like his work. I think it's cool. It's just like, whatever, it's not my particular taste. But um, art can get very like, you know, perceptive. And surreal as well. Yeah, it does, like, yeah. But like when I see stuff like that, where it's like a banana on the wall, or I remember there was one where- um, That's foul, sorry. <laughs> I think it's smart. If you got that bag, you got that bag. I don't know, man. And then the people, the, the museum or the art gallery has a story that gets them clicks, that gets people to come in and see a friggin' Yeah. Spoiled banana on the yes, wall. Yes, yes. So it's like, in a weird way, like, I guess how you can see how some people hate that art, but yeah. it's also, you can't say it's not art. It's no. Crazy as it is, but, um. But is it like, is it, it depends, like, you know, do you see the value in it or do you think it's worth what it's worth, right? Like, it comes down to that idea of novelty and how it's perceived, yeah. Yeah. And I think if you're a good enough finesser, like yo. a Twinder swindler, like if you're good at finessing. Yo, I have yet to watch that. I didn't watch it either, but I've been hearing stories about it. No. Shout no. out to my dude. I've, I've seen stuff on Twitter where it's like, how did you, the man asked you for 12K and you were like, yes, honey, here you go. <laughs> and then think that he wasn't going to scam you. Like, excuse me. I don't know so you. Are you hating on the Twinder swindler? Or is it? The Tinder swindler? I think that's what his name is. Um, I don't know. I think that man got his bag, but like. I don't know much about it to have that much of an opinion, yeah, I but I feel like, you know, an educated person or like, you know, if you've been through some shit, you would know like, yo, this doesn't feel good. Like this doesn't feel right. And I feel like women get taken advantage of in that sense, right? Some people are more naive than others, so. But I think it's also kind of like, you're seeing a reversal of worlds. Where True. like, just from like the little I do, I haven't watched documentaries, so I could be completely speaking on my ass right now. Yeah. But it's like a reversal of worlds where like, it's normally like, it's kind of like, okay, when you see a girl, mm -hmm. like exploiting a dude for money, and like being flown out and all that stuff, he was doing the exact opposite. So like, is he, is he in the wrong? Or like, it, well, I guess he's in the wrong, but it's like, you're just seeing the tables turned. Or you disagree? I feel like that's, uh, I don't, I don't know, man. I feel like women get, yeah, okay, so like women have advantages with men, like, you know, men want to give them money, like sugar babies, essentially, yeah. is that what you're referring to? But like, you know, that sugar comes at a price, like, you know, you're, you're an attractive girl, like, you are getting paid to be that girl, like, you're spending time with the man. Like, I think the guy was pretty attractive. I didn't watch, I don't know much okay. about the documentary. Yeah, we really don't know much to be okay, talking so about. Okay, so no. <laughs> no, but I don't think it's a thing of reversal of roles. I think that women just, they got finessed. I think mm -hmm. they just got scammed. And I think this happens to like men and women everywhere. That is true. It's just happened on like a, a bigger and scale. I guess yeah. this one blew up. Yeah, because so. of the whole Tinder thing. Do you trust people on Tinder? Like what's your whole thing on that? I'm, I'm the interviewer now. You're the um, interview. Do I trust people on Tinder? Hmm. Are you on Tinder? Is, is he on Tinder? Be? Not anymore. Oh, okay. Okay. What's your favorite dating app, though, like out of all of them? 
I will. <laughs> hmm. What? You know, I'm a go. You know, I'm a go with Christian Mingle. That's my site. <laughs> That's my site. Christian Mingle is my site. <laughs> You're looking for um, a nice wife to birth your two children yeah, and five children. Yo, um, shit, he wants to like, you know, breed oh, the I NBA players, NBA. yes. Oh my God. Um, no, for real, like Christian Mingle? No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> you actually think of yeah, Christian Mingle? No, I don't know, nothing, I've never used it. Nothing wrong with Christian Mingle. Yo, but yeah, like, I don't know, I find like meeting people online is like, a really weird experience. I think it's hit or okay. miss, yeah. it's mostly miss. Yeah. And for, like, another thing with dating apps, um, I think everyone's on there with different intentions. Oh, yeah. And, like, not a lot of people like to be clear with their intentions and be straightforward. And, like, also, I think a lot of people don't really know what they want yeah. in themselves. And, like, you'll end up getting into a situation where, like, you'll be in a relationship or you'll be talking to someone and then, like, you'll think this is one way you want it to go, but mm -hmm. it ended up going one way and then, like, when you don't communicate that, that's how people get hurt, and that's how you get a miscommunication, and it's like, fuck. Yeah. And, like, also, I think, if you look at the stats of Tinder, like, I think it's mostly the top 10% of dudes are getting most of all the matches, and then everything below isn't. I didn't know that. Yeah, so I think it's, like, a huge, a small portion of all the hottest guys are getting all the matches, and then, and, like, it's pretty much... Also, like, yeah, that was a point. I don't know what I was going to run with that. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a huge portion of the population for males on Tinder that don't get matches. And, like, it's weird, especially with Tinder, because, like, even just dating apps in general. Because it's, like, everything on a dating app is mostly going to end up to be superficial. And True. it's, like, I don't think that's partly wrong or bad, because when you are dating or you're looking for a partner... You yeah. do go for looks. Yeah. And like that expression, don't judge a book by its cover, then why do they design books that have interesting covers that draw you in? True. So like to act like there's not a superficial part of dating apps is kind of dumb or Is that what you think? Like, like is that like, you know, something that you don't like about it and like It's not that I don't like about it, it's just I'm aware of it and like if you're aware of that's the situation then you should you can play protect yourself better too. Yeah, right? and you should play to like according towards that game. Yeah. Like, don't yeah. go expecting the world and then end up getting hurt. That's true. That's true. I think, like, I, I completely agree with you. Um, being online, like, you know, it's. I also find that it's really hard for me to stay invested in someone long enough because you're always like, oh, well, there might be someone better. Someone you're better. always, like, swiping right. And, like, it's such a little fickle thing. Like, you can accidentally swipe on someone or you can accidentally swipe no on someone when you meant to say yes. And like you touching back on what you said like people can really curate what they want to say who, and who they are and what they want to sell to you yeah. and you can get caught up in this like idea of i and that it that is what draws you in is your idea of them right versus who they are what their, their actual um, value is and like another thing is it's like with online interaction and actually in-person interactions, there's a lot of shit that you would say online that you would never ever fucking no, say in person. Whether no. it's some wild shit or some you would shit or not, not. You but would not just like send me like, yo. <laughs> yeah, like you would not flash me like right away and be like, here, what do you think about this? Whereas online, yo, here's a dick pic right away. Like, I don't know you, you know? And it's like, yeah. That's part of the thing that's weird about the internet. It just it allows you, even when you don't have anonymity, uh, anonymity, 
and anonymity. Thank you. Yeah. Um, even when you don't have that, there's still like this this gap where like you can act like a total douche, and like I think everyone's guilty of it. Like mm -hmm. even to like a small degree, where it's like you put on like a superficial part of yourself, where like you don't, you're not gonna have any ramifications for like mm -hmm. your actions. So you're gonna act like a complete asshole, and like you get away with that. And like it's a stupid way to communicate, mm -hmm. especially with a like I'm not gonna say there hasn't been great success stories from dating apps, but I think there's a lot of shit where it mostly does go wrong and it's like mm, you wouldn't do that in per person so like you why would you do it in or online and like True. people just get caught up in that and then there's always like murderers too that part like you know there could be people that want to kill you and like take your money and stuff um that part like always scares me the iso um, yeah, that's another thing like, I kind of like feel privileged as a guy when I think about it is, um... You underestimate girls? You think a girl wouldn't kill you? Like, maybe, maybe a girl could kill you, okay, like, I, like... I'm just speaking... <laughs> I'm not, not saying that they Not wouldn't. that, like, I know about that, but like, you know, <laughs> I'm not alluding to anything. I'm um, just saying. <laughs> what's the, what's the address here? Just so people know, like... Um... If you're what? seeing this video, I'm alive. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Like, um, I don't know the address to this place, but yeah, he's good. Honestly, like, if this video if she's is... saying I'm good, no, no, I'm not no. good. If, if, this, if this video is posted, he's alive and well, okay? Like, because, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's the thought I generally don't think about. And like, I try to be conscious of it when I have gone on dates. I know. With, um... Like when I've gone on dates from dating apps. Do you like purposely, sorry to cut you off, but do you ever purposely like meet someone in a public place or like, that yeah, I, My rule yeah. is always to be like, your first date should be somewhere public. Yeah. Like if there is any awkwardness or any weird interaction, like you have the option to literally just leave. That's true. I always true. like to keep it in like a very open. I can't very, just leave like, guys. Kind of, hmm? I can't just leave right now. <laughs> like I gotta go stay here. <laughs> I gotta, I can't. <laughs> you know? She's trying to kill me, guys. Don't don't let it don't let it. I'm trying you. to leave. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But yeah, I think yeah. at least for me personally, I like to keep it like an open like an option. Because also, like, what if I'm not feeling this shit? I'm like, okay, time to bounce. Yeah, yeah. I try to like, I try to keep it um, a minimum of like two hours, like me for a coffee type thing. Or or what I like found was even better was like FaceTime them. Before, like, as soon as I meet them, I try not to, like, have too much text conversation. I ask them, like, can, we, can we FaceTime? Because then I don't even have to leave my house to decide if I, like, because you can tell a lot just by FaceTime and how someone talks to you and how you, like, kind of have chemistry and how you speak to each other, whether if you're going to get along well in person or not, you That's know? Right, yeah. And I feel like it just kind of eases you up because you feel like you know them before you meet them in like person. Like, you better have a rapport of actually seeing someone. Yeah. And you're not getting catfish as well. That's another good thing. That one too. Getting yeah. like, look, who is yeah. you? Yeah. Are you like, um, do you get the ick really quick? No, that I'm rhymed. mostly, uh, <laughs> wait, what did you say? I said, uh, do you get the ick really quick? And I'm like, that rhymed. Mm. That rhymed. Oh, I see. I see. That should be a, a okay, like, okay, yeah. no, it should be like a little thing. It's like, do you, how off, like, how quick do you get the ick? I don't know. It sounds like how quick do you get the, <laughs> no. How quick? The ick squill. Yeah. Scale. <laughs> How quick do you get the ick? Um, <laughs> for the most part, like I'm not a very judgmental or like icky person. I guess you could say. 
Like, I'm very open and, like, it takes a lot to, like, turn me off or disgust me or, like, repulse me. But, like, once you do, it's like there's not really coming back from that. Mm. But, yeah, I don't get the ick that fast. What? Do you get ick that fast? Can a guy, like, blink weird and be like, mm. <laughs> mm. No, mm. not homegirl, like. Homegirl, did you see when he blinked? <laughs> <laughs> no, not like a blink, but I feel like there have been moments where, like, someone's outfit has, like, really just turned me off, and I'm like. Did you wear, like, what, like, ball shorts on the first date? That's happened to me. Ball shorts on the first yeah. date? Yeah. Were you guys playing ball? No. Where'd you guys go? We're going to end this conversation here, okay. but I'm, ki I'm kidding. No, but I think f the number one thing for me is like dress well, like, you know, look good, look presentable. Like you don't have to be like dressed in like, I don't know, the most fashionable clothing, but just like dress according to your style and your comfort level, but in a way that makes you look like you're clean and healthy and like good to go. Presentable. presentable. Before we continue, yeah. because I didn't even know what an ick was until like now not no not like not wouldn't say recently but i didn't know what an ick was until like recently okay okay <laughs> so can you explain what an ick is for the people that don't know what an ick is um okay my definition of an ick or like getting the ick is when you see someone that you're potentially interested in do something that completely turns you off it could be something like i don't know a habit that they have or something that they constantly do or I don't know. Anything that like gives you the ick, you're like, uh, like I don't someone like putting their toenails on a table. No, that's that's icky, but like That's not ick worthy though? Okay, for example, like if I'm on a date and a guy is like chewing really loud, that's me getting the ick right there. Like or slurping. <laughs> slurping is like a that's disgusting. Slurping. Yo, you know what? Like, slurping. No, like when, when people like, when you drink coffee and you go and you make that weird like, yo, <laughs> nasty. I find, really? that, I find that visceral sound so gross. Like I hate it. So if you go on a date with a dude and he goes, you're like, okay, let's wrap this up. Yeah, like I'm like, Oh, I yo. got a project dude. I got to like, go. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think I want to sit through five more dates and hear that? But what if he did it once? Just once? Depends. How much icks do you get before you're striked out? I, <laughs> um, I will give you like, I don't know. It depends, man. It so depends. Like icks have different like. Different weight? levels. For example, I had an ick of where like, it's I don't know. It was something I, the dude wouldn't stop texting me, like that's, that's like a major level ick. That's like a that's like a high risk ick. High risk ick. <laughs> yes. You well, know. Let's, let's get a ick ick to rate skill ick to one skill. I guess. It and, was uh, um, the on the Ictor scale. It Ictor was scale. <laughs> the, the Ictor scale. The Ictor scale. <laughs> on the Ictor scale, it was like super, like a ten. Like, please leave me alone. I like my time, you know. And I also don't want to be feeling like I need to give you my attention constantly. Like, you know, it's nice to have an interaction in person, but I want to like go and do my own thing. But this dude was like blowing up my phone, like constant, persistent. It's like you are a grown adult. Live your life, you know. Let me live mine. Um, and then like, I don't know, it's like little things. So it just depends, you know? I can't say like, you know, strike one, strike two, you're out. Like it depends, you know? Depends on the, the Ictor scale. Depends on the ick itself, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. What about you? What's so, like an ick for you? I really don't like high-pitched voices. Okay, good. Like really high-pitched voices. Like it's gonna sound so mean, but like if someone has a really high-pitched voice, I just wanna like throat punch <laughs> them. Like, 
Oh, I hate high-pitched voices. He's a violent man. I'm not violent. You saw that? I'm not violent. We were in the clip a little. She Just, threatened to murder me, so... If you have... Ladies, if you are watching and have a high-pitched voice, run. Okay. Run. <laughs> hey, Hide dude, from this man. Dude, if you drink a drink, run. Run. <laughs> if you even <laughs> sip a hot beverage because it's hot, run. That's just okay? like proper... One, you know what? What about soup? If you be eating soup, you don't slurp? <laughs> um, no, I don't. What? No. What if it's hot? Then you... Is a dude blowing on his soup before he eats it an egg? If he goes... Is that an egg? No, that's like... Like, okay, I grew up with really strict parents that were like very... Um, and they had really strict parents, so like table manners are like a big thing with me. So you can't put your elbows on the table? No, I do that, but like, you know... Ooh, you didn't get table manners then. At home, it's fine, but like at a restaurant, I wouldn't be sitting there like this. But I mean, like, yeah, table manners were something that my parents were like really strict about growing up. And I think it's something that I've grown to adopt. So that's something that I look for in like, I don't know, potential partners or whatever. Like, are you properly like, you know, um, doing what you need to be doing? Like, don't be embarrassing, you know? But yeah, I don't know what the question you asked exactly was. Um, I was asking what are your biggest eggs? My biggest ics, oh, we're like deviating from that. So, I, yeah, like for me, loud chewing or like, you know, odd table noises or like bad table manners are like number one. So what I'm getting is, yeah. don't do food on the first date. No, we can, no, let's do food on the first date so I can eliminate you right away. <laughs> don't waste my time. <laughs> let's do, let's do sushi on the first date. Like, you know, oh my God. Now I'm like trying to think of like specific things, but that has to be like a number one thing for me. Yeah. Sushi? No, like, where did you get sushi? Did you I say? You said sushi. I said sushi. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> sushi is really good though. Yeah. I remember yeah. you used to hate sushi. Then I'm like, what the fuck was wrong with me? Yeah. I think you just didn't ha like your taste buds developed. You yeah. know, you grew mature. I, I matured into eating yes, sushi. Yes. Yes. You um, you got some taste. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's the shade again. <laughs> no. There's the shade again. He's just mad. I'm mad. He's just why, mad. Why exactly am I mad? Because Are you able to bring up the salad? <laughs> no, I was uh, going to bring up how you, you don't like being called light skin when you called... Wait, what whoa, did you I say? I never said I don't like being... I'm a light skin. <laughs> I embrace it. You said you're dark skin. I don't know how accurate that is. I didn't say I was dark skin, but I don't like, I don't think I like, I don't think I associate myself with like team light skin either. I think I like my complexion. Um, so I don't know, but I think um, acting like a light skin is like a, a specific like thing. I think it's a stereotype. A stupid, it's a stereotype. Pretty stupid stereotype as well. I was joking. Uh, I don't. I don't want to associate yeah. or be associated with dark. <laughs> I'm joking. No, it's a joke. You're trying to get me canceled out here, saying I punch people in the throats that I don't like. <laughs> Dark skin. That he slurps his soup. I don't slurp my <laughs> First of all, I do slurp my soup and I'm proud of What's it. What's your favorite soup? Do you fuck with ramen? Oh. Ramen is, oh, he fucks with ramen. What type of question is that? Yo, I love that fucking is, ramen. You, oh. wait, what? Hmm? Pause? What? what? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, hey, man, it's warm. It's good. And like, the noodles are good. Like, it's good. If it that, fits, it fits. That shit hit, hits. Huh? It, it hits. Yeah. It slaps. Yeah, ramen is good. Um, do you fuck with pho? You can't call no, it pho. It's pho. I don't like pho. No, I, I make some at home. Mm. Yeah, it's good. Okay. I don't know. Rice noodles are trash. So you don't like pad thai? 
No, I don't like pad thai. Is it just the rice noodle that you don't like? Or I do you hate rice noodles. What is it? About? Is it the texture? Why would I want to eat? First of all, if I want to eat rice, I'll just get okay. a bowl of rice. Okay, Who okay. Who think, like, yo, let's make rice, but let's make it longer. Like, why was that a good idea? That's, like, genius, bro. Well, like, If I want noodles, I would go to get some egg noodles. Best noodles out there. Egg noodles? I don't think I've had egg noodle that much, to be honest. You've had ramen before, right? Is that an egg noodle? Yeah, that's egg noodle. They're good. They're, they have, like, a nice bite to them. But I really like rice noodle, though. Like, pad thai is amazing. Like, I make that all the time. So good, guys. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Bulls bad. I mean, to each their own. I do not like them. That's okay. No, it's not, but... I, no, no, it's genuinely no, okay. you're judging me for my faux taste. I'm judging you on your, like, bias of rice noodle. Yeah. I think mm. rice noodle... Do you like mochi? Then you don't like mochi, What's then. mochi? Mochi is, like, this, um, well, like, East Asian or Asian, like, dessert. It's made from, like, rice. Usually, it's, like, pounded rice. Rice uh, does not equal dessert to me. I don't know, man. There's like this Indian dessert that we have, which is like, it's called ki. Brown people know. It's it's literally rice pudding. Um, really good. Sounds like you can open a lot of doors for you. Yeah, I think like I'm just listing everything you don't like. Yeah. Uh, that was yeah. a really good joke. You didn't get it. No, a lot of his jokes have been just like, new. Ki, it can open a lot of doors for you? No, I... Moving on. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. If you had a magic wand... Okay. And you could make me like one rice dish, the top rice dish. What would mm, it be? Like my own? Shit. I think I would make you my pad thai. Pad thai. Do you fuck Actually, with tofu? No, but tofu is also not really good for you either. Is it not? No, especially uh, fried tofu, super bad for you. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 But now that I'm thinking about it, when I do go to Thai Express, I do get the chicken pad thai and I do love it. So I might have to retract that statement. So, okay, so you do like pad thai. Chicken pad thai. Yeah, yeah chicken pad thai is good. Okay, well, if I could make something for you, I would make you pad thai, and I think you would like it. A lot of my friends really like it, so, um, yeah. Can you cook? Yeah, I can cook. What, what's, like, your go, like, well, can you cook? Like, what's something that, like, you're, like, A I can cook? A bowl of cereal? I can chef that up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I make a good uh, feta salad. Um, Caesar salad. No, that Caesar salad was mid. <laughs> I didn't have black pepper. Um, I make a good lasagna. Uh, lasagna is good. Lasagna is always good. What What else do I make? Uh, sh I'm blanking. I haven't really cooked that much. Recently. Lasagna is like a great drunk food. Like when you're drunk, lasagna. Uh, I think bread is a great drunk food as well. Anything, well, like anything, anything carb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mac and cheese. God, that was really good. You like Katie? Katie slaps. Katie's Katie's good, but I like making my macaroni and cheese fresh. Mm. Like I make it myself. You know what's super good in Katie? What? Tuna. No way. Yeah, tuna with some black pepper. Ooh. And in the craft dinner? Yeah, inside. Like you make the craft dinner, then you throw the tuna in after with some So like black you pepper. flake it in there? Yeah, like it's super fucking good. Honestly, I can see that being pretty good. It's really good. Yeah. yeah, okay, okay. I will try that. Like when people aren't around. Yeah. So you cook, what's your number one dish that you cook? Top of the line. Top your pad of the thai? My favorite thing to make, I love making a good pasta. Good pasta. Like good bolognese pasta is my go-to. I usually use like, it's so good. And I it's good. It's extra spicy. Yes, I like throw in some spice, like add some like Indian 
touches in there, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, and you gotta like overdo the garlic. Like I, I prefer like at least like six, seven cloves of garlic just in there. I hate people who use, if the ingredients or the recipe calls for two garlic, what are you doing? Um, what are you doing? No, no, you gotta like, you gotta go in until you you're like, just like no. Like I, I will take half the garlic and like toss it in until like, you know, I, I see a good flavor. Tons of seasoning, tons of Italian seasoning, yeah. Pasta, you can't go wrong with pasta either. Like all shapes, all sizes, all beloved. I'm yeah. gonna throw a curveball at you that when I found out I was actually pretty, I'm like, damn. Tell me. You know white people? Yes. Invented fried chicken. No way. Yeah, white people invented fried chicken. I swear fried chicken's like been around like in all cultures and cuisines though. But white people invented it. Like, but Korean people have karage? Is that how you say it? I'm I think, sorry. I think it is karage. Yeah, it's literally fried chicken, but it's so much better. Like, then and who's then, fried chicken? I don't know. Like, KFC? <laughs> like, That's it's the just really. That's the kernel. Actually, no, no, no. I'm not going to let you disses by KFC. As KFC's much as good. I hate it, KFC's K spice is fire. KFC or Popeyes? KFC. I haven't had KFC in a really long time. Or Popeyes. You know, it's because I was actually vegetarian for like, or pescatarian for three years of my life. And so I completely stopped eating fried chicken from anywhere. But I remember Popeyes like being really good. I remember yeah. something that ruined Popeyes for me and I don't like going to Popeyes again. What was it? I got the chicken fingers, like a basic bitch. Okay, okay. <laughs> and it literally tasted like I was chewing on friggin' rubber. Oh I'm no. Like, mm. Maybe it was no. this one bad experience, you know? No. I'll give it another try. Same shit the second time. Guess you're like, not getting that Popeye sponsorship. I, I can't. No. <laughs> Wouldn't <laughs> it be ironic if there was a like a Popeye's ad before this? That would be hilarious. Yeah. But I use YouTube premium. Uh sorry about that. Technical difficulties. Um the Popeye's biscuit uh, we were talking about dried up our camera battery, so we had to swap it out. <laughs> <laughs> Euphoria, while off camera, we, uh, you were talking about Euphoria, you want to talk about Euphoria? Yeah, we were talking about Euphoria and I asked him if he had watched Euphoria, but you haven't. I watched season one. Oh, so you have watched yeah, it? Yeah, not season, I haven't started season two. Oh, are you waiting for it to like air out completely so then you can well, binge it? I don't it? know what it's playing on, to be honest. What you, oh, it's on, um, it's on Crave right now and I think like if you have a VPN you can get HBO, but Crave has it, but Crave is kind of expensive monthly. I hate buying a subscription just to watch one show. I know. I wish like Netflix hopped on it and like had it. Had it yeah. Yeah, but um, it's really good. Like second season is really good, but I like really hate Rue right now. Really. I really hate her. Really? Like I watched um, episode six and I was just like, girl, like I hate your guts so much. Like how could you do this? Like. Mm, no spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers. But you know, at the same time, like I relate to her a lot. Like. I think um, I've heard this like connotation about Euphoria where people are like, you know, it's an unrelatable show just because of the like fantastical and like euphoric feel that it obviously has. But I feel like it's really rooted in reality in some ways. I think all the drug shit that's happening in the show is happening. Well, see, like I'm disconnected from like high schools now. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Maybe kids be like, hey, yo, is that Fenty? Let's go. Yeah. Cocaine? Let's go. Weak? Yeah. Get that weak shit out of here. Yeah. I don't know if that's the reality. Well, in some neighborhoods, yeah. I can't imagine you go to class and it's like normal to see a kid do a line like that. 
Well, not aligned, but I think that like um, when I say that it, Euphoria is based in reality or has like a feel of realism is through their expression of emotions. Like when you're so young and you're a teenager, right? Like you have such a whirlwind of emotions and it's so hard to express yourself and you get mad at little things and, and the fights that you have with your parents or you're like, for example, if you're in a relationship, like, you know, the things that you feel like insecurity and like, you know, um, your self-doubt or whatever, I think Euphoria shows it really well. You, and it, it treats the, sh the, the characters like fully actualized people rather than just like kids through an adult's lens. Mm. Like they're not like, like I think a poor example of that is like, um, I think Riverdale. I don't know, controversial take, but like, yo, Riverdale. That, that show's trash. Riverdale fell off really bad. Like that, it I- It shouldn't have never been on, to be honest. Oh my God. I used to really like watching Riverdale, but then as the seasons progressed, you could just tell like, okay, like this is like nowhere believable, like yeah. at all. But Euphoria does it in such a wonderful way, and that's why so many people like it. Like, um, I also just think that like it's it's like a really deeply emotional story. Yeah, it's a good character study as well. Yeah, because they'll build up a character, make you hate them, yeah, and then find some way to redeem them, or yeah. they make you be like, I get it. I hate you, but I get it. I get why I you do what you do. Get it. Yeah. You're not a good person, but. I Get it? And I think that's such a great writing, especially coming from you for What's your um what's your opinion on Nate, Nate Jacobs? I think he's a complete like from what I've seen in this yeah. the first season, and like I still need to like I think I need to recap her, but like Yeah. He's a dick. <laughs> like he's a dick, but fuck, you can see why he's a dick. Yeah. Well like, the kid you is can like, get it. He's traumatized. Very like, much so. Like severely fucked up. Like yeah. Yeah. Um no, I completely agree with you. I, like, you know, I in second in the second season, you're not gonna like love him more or anything, but you'll just like get more into his story and be like, you know what, like, I should hate you, but I don't at the same I time. Like, I don't agree with you. No, no. But I see where you're coming from. Yeah, they're like deeply flawed, but redeemable at the same time. Yeah. And I think that goes a lot to show about great story writing when you yeah. can make such a deep and complex character where like you get their reasoning and understandings and you can kind of sympathize with them as opposed to like Villainize a character where them. like he's just bad for being for the sake of being bad yeah like, mm, that's just yeah. kind of like yeah yeah no i and i and i really like the um the variety and and sort of like diversity and the cast of euphoria too like seeing you know like um a trans woman being portrayed so well and like and have such a big spotlight too. I feel like it's taught me a lot about like certain struggles or things that um, you know you're not able to see on other platforms. And also with like, um, sorry, I'm saying now I'm getting self-conscious of how much I'm saying um, but uh, yeah, like you know, I just like the diversity. I also like how it kind of looks at sexuality in a different way too, um, and through explorations of that. So. What's the yeah. trans character's name again? Jules. Jules. I actually love Jules' character because it's like, she yeah. doesn't seem like a token. No, it's not she, a trope either. Yeah, yeah, yeah a token yeah. or a trope. Literally, it's like she's a person. And I she love is. the fact that she's displayed as a person. And it's like, they're not throwing this in there for like a friggin' like, for clout. No, not clout. It's like for not like. Not clout, but like, you know, um, like just to have, just to say that we have that in yeah, there. Just, yeah, it's like. Cover their bases. She's a legitimate character. And I think when you portray 
characters like that, it does a great job mm -hmm. at getting people to sympathize and understand mm -hmm. like situations like that. And yeah. there's like a lot of shows now, like they'll just throw a gay person in there just for being gay. And it's like, the reason you did that is they're gay. Or like you throw a black person in there just because they're black. It's like, no, you gotta, you can't just have diversity be a token. You actually have to be invested in why we have a diverse cast. And I think, I, I agree with you completely, where Jules as a character is not a character that is trans. It's just Jules as Jules. And you yeah. love Jules because you empathize with her and, you know, she has a deeply, you know, flawed past and struggles that she has, but it can be really relatable. Even though I don't look or, you know, experience the same thing as Jules, I can look at her and be like, you know, there was a moment in my life where I was in that spot that she's in right now and I can totally empathize for her. So, um, yeah. Who are your, like, favorite people on there? Oh, fuck. Like, your, your top three that you really, like, enjoy watching. Just from season, I've seen clips from season two that spoke on things, but, like, mm -hmm. I don't really have a favorite. I kind of, like, Rue the most, but I guess because, mm -hmm. like, we're seeing the story from kind of mostly her perspective. Yeah. But, like, yeah. I kind of like them all and understand and, like, see their stories. It's like, I haven't really picked a favorite. Yeah. So it's, like, it's hard for me to just say one, but uh, if I had to, uh, what was the guy's name? The guy who sells Fez. drugs to Fez. 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 I got, I got, Fez. I respect and love Fez a lot. Fez. Uh, Fez go. Him and Rue, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say I really like, I think Fez is like one of my favorite characters in that show. He's just like, I just love his monotone way of being like, yo, Rue, can't be here. Like, I, I can't even do it. Like, he does it in <laughs> such a monotone way. And like, the thing is, there are people who are exactly like Fez. Like, yeah. I'm, you, I'm not sure like, if everyone's met someone, like, but there are people like that. And like, that's literally just his character. It's like a him. good, that show's very good at character-driven stories. And that's mostly what it is. It's a character-driven story with a bunch of jugs going around. True, true. And who wouldn't want to watch that, mm. right? Yeah. Pretty wild, though. What other questions did um, you have? I'm blanking on a bunch of the questions I had. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah. Going back to modeling. Um, yeah. I'm forgetting the word. I think. Was it the? Hold on, let me pull it up. Yes. <laughs> I know you had one where I was like, if you had a magic wand and you could remove any obstacle. If you, could ma if you had a magic wand and you could fix anything you find wrong with your current career path, what would you use the wand to fix? Um, if I could have that, I would remove school out of the way right now. School. <laughs> As much as I love being in art school and as much as I love, you know, learning new things and doing what I'm doing, I feel like it's, like, school can become really taxing. Like, you know, you have assignments due and you have other things that you have to focus on. Um, and I just kind of want to be done with it so I can just focus on, like, making work that requires more time and isn't, like, time-based, if that makes sense. And I can just have more time to focus on modeling. Yeah, yeah. Um, so why don't you just drop out of school? Because that's not how my parents raised me, mm, or... Gotta see it through? Gots to see it through, my boy. <laughs> <laughs> Gots to see it through. Okay, but if you had an amazing opportunity pop up, like, you'd get, you'd be getting that bag, that big money bag. Yeah. Would you, would you drop out of school? No. No, you still, no. still got to see it through? I would, like, 
Or I would go back. I would get my degree because I'm so close. I'm two months away from graduating and getting Almost my degree. Right around the corner. Yeah, like I'm literally going to graduate in April. So if something came along right now, it would have to be like something really like monumental or life changing for me to be like uh, this. Because I've been working on my degree for four years. That's a lot of time. That's a long time to be slaving away at something to be like not, you know, have it. So yeah, I would always get my degree. That's yeah. good though. That yeah. like you're the Maybe. goal. I'm doing it. Yeah. I might go this way a little bit, but I'm coming back for you. Yo, because that can be a double-edged sword, you know, with me. Like, I'm, I'm one of those people that, like, if I commit to something, I have to, like, I have a really hard time not, like, you know, um, finishing that task. And it can be a double-edged sword because there are some projects that are, like, failing projects or, like, something that you kind of just have to, like, give up on in the middle of it. And, and move on because it's not working out, but I will like keep persisting just so I can say I did it. So that makes sense. Like, yeah, it does make sense. Yeah. So it's also that sense of accomplishment. Like when you've been working so hard for something, you like when yeah. you finish it, it also feels good. And it's like, you know, I knew I could do it. I said I could do it. I did it. And now I'm proud. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, if I finish my degree, I have more leeway to be like doing other things that are not so like work related because I know that I did this. Like I, I deserve a break now. Yeah. I deserve to do that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, well. Let me check on one more of the questions I had because it was a really good one. Um, that's the question. Do you think modeling from your current experience that you've had with modeling, do you yeah. think that the field is full of superficial people? Do I think it's full of superficial people? Um, I would say it's a superficial industry. You know, we're literally looking at how you look and your attractiveness and um, how much people really like looking at you. And, but it's also like, you know, people have talent and looking good doesn't just happen overnight. Like some people are very beautiful, but you also have to like put time and effort into your, like, you know, um, presenting yourself well. But in terms of like, is it really superficial? It can get superficial, but you also have to like, um, remember that you're being asked to be a part of something that is more creative and, you know, um, has a deeper meaning than just looking pretty all the time. Um, in terms of superficiality, like just to touch on that, I was always really afraid of getting into modeling because the word superficial was synonymous with like looking pretty and perfect and you know always just having everyone like you and, and getting that clout almost. And I was like, I'm not that person. I'm like, you know, I'm not so overzealous about what I look like and what I do. But it was only until like I accepted that, yeah, this career or this thing that I'm doing is gonna come with a bit of superficiality was when I was able to make peace and fully dive into it confidently. And um, yeah, like, I think it's okay. Like, I, I think, and other careers also are looked at as being superficial. Like my art career, for example, there are superficial reasons why I would wanna be an artist, right? Like, mm -hmm. comes with praise, comes with talent, people wanting to look at my work and stuff. But you kinda have to accept it and, and keep that as a motivation. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that like answers the question. Yeah, oh. it, the question was, is it superficial? But I think the way you just explained it shows that it's a little bit more than being superficial. It's like, not, there's layers to it. Yeah, like you can just be very pretty and just stick to that. But that's another thing. Like I, I would consider myself attractive and you know um, fit for the industry. But I also just my motivation right now isn't just to look pretty. It's to make art and like to do things that are like outside my comfort zone. And um, 
and use my body for that as an as an extension. Yeah. Like it's kind of like an athlete, but like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I know you like recently did just start and like you're going through the process, but like for anyone who's like looking to start or thinking about starting or like has started and like is feeling like subconscious or worried or like they're not like fully committing, like what words of advice could you give them? Um, I would say just start. Just start. And that's like, I know that's like a very um, band-aid sort of thing to say, but just start because you will gain confidence and skills as you go. Because this is what happened to me. I was really afraid of starting because I was like, in order for me to start, I have to be perfect. And you know, I have to have, my weight has to be a certain, you know, I have to look a certain way. My body has to be a certain way. Um, you know, I have to be here mentally in order to balance all these things. And yeah, like you do need a bit of self-confidence, but those things will come as you go. And don't be afraid of like, you know, having a couple bad shoots or like, you know, having things not go your way right, right around the corner. Like the right people will find you, the right opportunities will come along and um, you'll figure out what you like doing more so you can, you know, keep going at it. Yeah. yeah I think that's a great answer. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great place to wrap it up as well. Yeah. Um, Sweet. You want to plug a bunch of your stuff? Um, yeah, so you guys can find me on Instagram. My handle is just my name. Um, I don't know if you'll like put it in yeah, here. I'll but put it right up here <laughs> next to the X scale. Um, <laughs> right right it's here. At Hershida Ja, and through that you can find my art account and my other stuff as well. So, yeah. Any other things you want to like shout out, promo, anything? Um, check out Tristan's podcast. It's, uh, I heard it's good. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I think we got some good guests today, you know? Um, yeah. This one short guy, dark skin, and then this one uh, taller, <laughs> taller girl. Can you can you oh. please insert the image of me and that short guy together? Oh, the, this yeah, is the, one of the images that we took yeah. today. Yeah. <laughs> That's my man, right there. That's my man, right uh, there. My man's. Ooh, Ooh. we're yeah, gonna we have got to. It. We gotta. We gotta. We're gonna. We're gonna battle it. Hey, out remember, after. do you have a high pitched voice? I don't. I don't. Oh, I'm so lucky, glad. Lucky. I'm, yeah. Because I'm on with a lot of quality. Equal rights, equal fights. It, guess you'll have to tune in next time. <laughs> <laughs> tune in to find out who won. <laughs> yeah.